Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to another episode of In the Pen, part of the Pitchless Podcast Network, a podcast about believers. I'm your host, Count Elslegger, and we're a bit understaffed today. Rick is feeling a bit under weather, wasn't able to get on, so it's just a two-man show this week. We have myself and joined, as always, by Jake Crumpler. Jake, you think we can think we can handle this on our own? <laughs> I don't know. It's a tall task. We, it, it seems that, you know, each of us are a third of the podcast, but really Rick's half the podcast and we're the other half. Yeah, that sounds about right. I was We were doing the uh, pre-show talk and we we're going through the uh, show doc and putting some stuff in. I'm like, this is usually what Rick does. So it felt weird actually <laughs> having to like help with some of the notes and preparation. I just kind of show yeah. up and take Rick's. But the good thing is he wrote an article, so that's going to help mm-hmm. with... Uh, with all of this stuff. So on this episode, we're about a third of the way through a season right now. So we're going to look into the bullpens throughout the league, kind of talk about where things stand, who's leading them at this point and try and predict the rest of the season, get you guys a head start, especially with some of the more confusing pens that we talked about throughout the season, kind of just take a little step back, take a look at where we are and where things will likely go going forward. And we'll go through the usual segments and wrap it up as always as we do with who's that closer. And also a little mailbag. We got a couple questions from members of our Discord, so we'll try and cover those at the end as well. As always, we'll start off with some news. We got lucky this week, Jake. Without Rick, we don't have a lot of news to cover, so that'll be a. It's probably good news for us. We don't have to cover any big things. So, uh, just some quick injury news. I'll talk about the two and see if they have any sort of impact to you. Zach Jackson was placed on the 15-day IL with light right flexor tendon strain. We were talking about him as a potential leader for Oakland, so sorry for that. And Dylan Lee, 15-day IL with left shoulder inflammation. Either of those have any sort of fantasy impact? Anybody you are in- interested in in Oakland after the uh, Jackson news? Yeah, the Jackson news was uh, pretty big because at the time, everybody in that bullpen was either injured or DFA'd. I mean, just considering the state that that bullpen was in, prior to where it was at the start of the season when we had so many options like Yuri's Familia, Domingo Acevedo, Danny Jimenez, Trevor May, and Zach Jackson. There were so many options. And then at that point when Jackson went down, it was like the most unappealing closer committee I've ever seen. It was supposedly supposedly going to be Austin Pruitt, Richard Lovelady, Garrett Acton, and Sam Mole, which... uh, most people would say you just made up four names and uh, <laughs> said that those are the closers. But in fact, those were the top four A's relievers at the time. And so luckily one of the other transactions that happened in the past week was Trevor may being activated from the 15 day IL. He was dealing with anxiety for the past uh, month and a half, probably stemming from his poor performance to start the year, but great to see him back, especially after dealing with mental illness. But I think that sets him up to be the closer because, like I said, those other four names are not great. Trevor May has not been great this year, but 
He's a much better option than any of those guys. If he can get things back together, great. But the big thing here is there was a reason Zach Jackson was ranked super low in close in Rick's closer rankings. And that's because the A's are terrible. They don't win any games right now. They are at uh, 10 wins and we are more than 50 games into the season. Their winning percentage is sub 200. <laughs> They're 22 games back from first place. It's wild. They have a 0% chance of making the playoffs. Um, yeah. So that's the, the big concern. It's like, okay, even with Zach Jackson being an all right reliever and sort of the clear cut guy there, the A's suck, and that's still the case, <laughs> even with Trevor May coming back. So I don't think this makes him fantasy viable, though there are leagues where he will be, whether that be really deep mixed leagues or AL, like 15-team AL-only leagues. You'll probably be wanting to roster May because he could grab a few saves, but I think in the general uh, populace of leagues, 12-teamers or or 15-team mix, I don't think Trevor May is going to be a very appealing option because the A's aren't going to be giving him too many save opportunities. No, and Rick would agree with you from looking at his rankings right now. Trevor May comes in at 30, so he is the best of the worst or the worst of the That's best, the however you want to put the list. Yeah, so, I mean, if you want to look at that, look at that way. Uh, <laughs> he'll likely get some saves, just, um, you know, 10 wins. I think there's multiple teams that have more than 10 saves already, let alone uh, oh, 10 wins. Sure. So, uh, yeah, so if you're relying on Oakland for saves, find something else to do. Find some other way to get your saves and continue to try and trust an Oakland A reliever. On the transaction, you talk about Trevor. Oh, God. Alexis Diaz on the last place Reds has 10 saves, so. There you go. That yeah. just puts it in a, a, some good perspective right there. But in other transactions, you mentioned Trevor May being activated off the aisle. Only two other ones. It really was a quiet week for news. Michael Givens activated in 15-day IL with left knee inflammation for the Baltimore Orioles. He was immediately thrust into some higher leverage situations. He can maybe be an under-the-radar holds guy to get the ball to their elite back end of Cano and uh, Felix Bautista. And Aaron Loop activated in 15-day IL with a strained right hamstring for the Los Angeles Angels. Either of these guys, someone you're monitoring, does it have any impact on other guys you're relying for for saves in those pens? Or not really? I definitely don't think either of these guys are going to be affecting the saves situations in either of their bullpens. Both of these teams have uh, top twos that are pretty solid in Anaheim. It's uh, Carlos Estevez and Matt Moore. And obviously that doesn't rival Bautista and uh, Cano, but they're been, they both been really great this year. And both of the relievers that were activated loop and Givens have ERAs over seven, not to say that that's going to maintain throughout the year, but I think they're going to be more of uh, holds options and secondary holds options at that. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's nice to know that even with Loop coming back, there's other lefties to uh, to carry a load. So maybe a hold here and there. That's about it. So like I said, that's all for the news. It's a pretty, pretty quiet week. So we'll go as we always do. To the risers and fallers, while we didn't make the ranks, we're going to look into Rick's ranks, guys who performances stood out over the past week. And Jake, I'll let you lead off. Who's someone whose performance last week would have them, uh, them rising in your non-existent ranks? Well, I've got Alex Lang on my home team, on my home league team, and he's been great this year. Uh, my brother dropped him after a couple of weeks, and so I was able to swoop him up. And he's been really solid despite the Tigers not being that great of a team. He's been taking advantage. And I don't know, he's sort of just given vibes of that one guy on the bad team that racks up a bunch of saves and nobody really 
he's not he doesn't have the name recognition as some of the uh other good closers on bad teams like uh the previously mentioned Alexis Diaz but he's been really great this year his strikeout rate is over 33% his ERA is below 1.3 he's up to 9 saves now he's just been really consistent throughout the year and it without anybody there really pushing him out of that role it seems like he's going to be pretty safe throughout the year I think the one question is going to be, does he get traded at some point? We really don't have to worry about that right now. And he does still have uh, control on his contract through 2027. So that'll be the next uh, one, two, three, four more years. So the Tigers shouldn't be in any rush to trade him, especially if they're sort of on the horizon of their competitive window. But that, that's been a guy rising up for me, uh, not only because he's been helping my home team, but also because he's been really really reliable this year and has such a secure role yeah he really has it's been extremely impressive we had the talk and it's like there's no one really there but even if there were people there his performance on its own is just uh taking it he'll likely be the only detroit tiger to head to the all-star game but with how uh riley green's been playing of late you never know maybe he can squeak himself uh a bit but he's been he's been great he deserves to be rostered off throughout even if it's detroit and those save opportunities are Sparing, like I said, nine saves this point in the season. Not bad. He averaged that out, and that's going to be close to a 30-save season, which you will take from probably the last reliever uh, you drafted for a lot of your teams. For me, a riser, I'll pivot off what I said last week. I was talking about how I was getting a little worried about Rizal Iglesias. His concerns were alleviated over this past week. This was last week's velocity got back to normal, even a little bit higher than about last year's average. He picked up a couple saves to wrap it up. He's starting to look like the Rizal Iglesias we came to expect at the beginning of the season. He Rick him moving back up to into the back in the top ten in his rankings. So any concerns I had about Iglesias, they've settled. The Braves are obviously very good. He's clearing away the close arms team and I think he's back to being the uh, pure dominant reliever we thought he was going to be. And uh you know it's really nice to see. Yeah, the concern that we sort of expressed when he first came up, I, I didn't really buy into it. I, I knew that he would need a few outings to get his feet under him after missing the first couple of months of the season. And he's been one of the most consistent relief pitchers, not just closers, but one of the most consistent mm-hmm. relief pitchers across the last few years. Great strikeout to walk ratios as always. He's not striking out as many guys as he did in the past, but I think it's going to continue to rise. And once he gets into a groove, which you know being injured can get you out of, I think he's going to be really stable throughout the year. And like you said, the Braves are, are a great team. They're going to set him up for lots of successful saves. And I, I have lots of confidence in him being a top 10 reliever at the very least. There there was a time in the offseason when I was like, this is my clear cut number two closer in baseball behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I was saying Devin Williams was number one. But anyway, Rizal Iglesias is, is very safe. And, and I feel pretty confident that he's going to be worth the hold in all your leagues and if there are managers out there that are not as convinced as I am because he has a 4.91 ERA or whatever, then I, I think he's worth to try to get at a slight discount. Completely agree. You look at right now, his uh, swinging strike percentage itself is a uh, top 10th in terms of uh, relievers in all of baseball. It's at 19.5% compared to an LB average of 12.3%. So that immediately jumps off the page. He's just, uh, he's back. And like you said, I, it was more of a lower concerns. It was more of a uh, you know monitor sort of situation. It's like you said, it, it was early. It was his first couple outings, but it was something to keep an eye on. And like you said, he's now getting built back up and starting to be the closer we all expect him to be at the beginning mm-hmm. of draft season. So 
since Rick's yeah. not here, we're gonna just turn it back to you. You got anybody else who is the third uh, third riser for the week? I mean, we we talked about him. I mentioned him twice already, but Alexis Diaz is looking like one of, if not the best reliever in baseball, just in general. He's definitely the best strikeout arm in baseball. He's striking out over 48% of batters right now, nearly 50%. That was sort of the level that his brother was at last year. And that was crazy. This is like peak Aroldis Chapman, peak Edwin Diaz level of strikeouts. We spoke, I think, last month about how quickly strikeout rate can stabilize. And we have gone well past that rate. Uh, when Diaz's strikeout rate would stabilize. It's obviously going to continue to drop slightly throughout the year, but I, he's going to strike out at least 40% of batters, which is huge. So not many guys can do that, and he's doing that, and he's pitching around the dangerous ballpark he has there. I wouldn't say he's got a ton of competition either, and despite the Reds not being great, he's been getting saves. He got 10 saves, a sub-2 ERA. He's been absolutely wonderful. Rick's already got him up to number four in his rankings, right? that's that's yeah, crazy that I, right. <laughs> that's pretty wild but I, it's completely deserved he just seems like the clear cut he is the clear cut closer in cincinnati and also he just is so good at striking guys out that it's hard to bet against him and his skills yeah he, he's been great he was part of that pocket of closers that we were sort of targeting kind of sort of back when with like David Bednar with Clay Holmes. Uh, I believe he was near about where Scott Barlow and Pete Fairbanks were being drafted. That was kind of our tier where we were targeting in our drafts. So, uh, you know, Alex Dia, he's been, he's been incredible. My, I wouldn't even say it's a concern, but I'm curious if all the rumors about him possibly being traded at this point now that it is, you know, we're getting closer. Right? We have two months away from the trade deadline. Does he go on the move because the Reds are, you know, they are that last place team. Either way, if he goes somewhere, I think he does stay as a closer. He's been bat dominant, but you know, it's something to just keep an eye on. But while he's pitching this well, you might as well enjoy it. But so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a fair point. I, he, he's got like five years of control left, so it would be mm-hmm. a pretty large package. But it, it is fair to say that, you know, this is the, the height of his value right now in terms of being a trade chip. And I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is about the, the same time in his career that his brother was traded, right? I think you're right. Yeah, maybe another year of Edwin Diaz, yeah. I, but it's, it's around that time. So you're, that's a good, really good comparison that I wasn't even, uh, wasn't even thinking of. But as people rise up in the rankings, as always, there must be followers. I'll kick it off with my first follower. It's Ryan Helsley. It's not really because of his performance. He's been pitching better in the month of May. But it's because of Giovanni Gallegos. You look at his numbers in May, and they're very comparable. They both have the exact same amount of saves. Ryan Helsley, at this point in the season, is only on pace for about 20 saves. And that's not exactly something you want from a guy who's drafted as a top five relief pitcher in terms of ADP at the beginning of the season. So I'm not ready to fully jump ship. He's been pitching well. If you're in saves, holds are perfectly fine. But if you're looking just saves, you know, it's time to worry a little bit about Helsley more because of how often they're using Giovanni Gallegos and putting him in that mix. I think it's a clear uh, committee in St. Louis now. It's not just Helsley. We knew Gallegos was going to mix in, but he's even mixing in more than I initially thought. So mm-hmm. I think Ryan Helsley has to start moving down the ranks just based off that usage. Yeah, there, there's been some some weird usage. I think sometimes they try to send Helsley out for like a two inning save, and then if he blows up like he did uh, last Saturday, then it leads to Gallegos getting the save. That that game, Helsley came in in the 
eighth and then in the ninth he allowed a couple of runs and it forced Gallegos to come on and get the save. So Hel- Helsley got the win, but it was uh not too not too pretty. And I, I feel like they want him to be the closer, and I feel like he is the closer because they don't really use him as like a high leverage guy. It's just mm-hmm. they're not gonna use him back to back days too often. And if they do, they're gonna give him a lot of days off in a row. They're really taking it easy with him. And he's not as dominant as he was last year. The velocity is still there. He's th- averaging almost 100 miles per hour with his fastball, but he's just not striking out as many batters as he did last year. I think batters have sort of got a more of a better read on him after last year's success. So he, he's just not going to have that sub two ERA or sub one ERA like he had at some points last year. But I, I think he's still going to be pretty serviceable. But yeah, you were right. He was being drafted super early in sort of that second tier of closers. And I don't think that's where he's going to wind up for the rest of the season. He's got great stuff and he seems to be the favored guy there, but I wouldn't call mm-hmm. him like the clear cut guy. And Gallegos is more than serviceable enough to fill in whenever Helsley needs a rest or is sort of not pitching too well. So I, I feel pretty confident that Helsley's the favored guy there, but obviously this is not the best situation for fantasy managers that have uh, Ryan Helsley on their teams. Yeah. Like you said, things haven't been bad. He's still got an over 30% K rate. Mm-hmm. He's still striking at a high rate in terms of CSW. The fastball is still top three in baseball in terms of miles per hour, but it's just for some slight red flags. The walk percentage is up almost two percentage points from last year. He's been getting unlucky. He's got 327 BABIP against him, so you'd think that will probably regress to some sort of normalcy, but compared to CSW, everything down. Last year was just an, such an incredible year, but you know, it's just compared to last year, he's going to struggle in the mixing in. There's some uh, some red flags there, but nothing to drop him, of course, but just you know, if you're expecting him to be the closer you had at the beginning of the season, you might want to start looking to some other options. Outside of him, who else would uh, would drop in terms of uh, over his performance last week? I mean, I don't I don't think it's really a performance thing, but Mark Leiter Jr. probably for the Cubs. I mean, the Cubs really haven't had too many save opportunities, and, and Leiter did get the last one. But I, I think it's pretty clear that he's not like the clear cut closer. I don't know; it's hard to tell. I don't watch Cubs. I don't watch Cubs games yeah. religiously, so it's really hard to tell like how. David Ross looks when he calls on him or what situations they're, they're turning to him. There's still other options out there. Honestly, I still like Alzale more than lighter, but he did get the last save. So it's, it's hard to argue against that, but it's been, it's been weird over there. Cause you're not really sure if, if he really is the closer because it's been sort of run through so many different guys recently um, throughout the whole year. And, Lighter sort of settled in with the highest strikeout rate and the best CRA in that bullpen. But does that really mean that he's going to be the closer? I don't know. And Jeremiah Estrada has been great so far. He's got a zero ERA in eight innings and a 37.5% strikeout rate. But Lighter has been, you know, very good in his own right. But I think it's it's just going to be something to watch. But as good as he is, you can't really sort of suggest that he's a, a top 15 closer, let alone a top 20 or 25 closer because of the usage over there where it's like, you're not only are you not sure that he's going to be the closer, but there really haven't been too many save opportunities. And I don't know who's bought into this huge jump in talent level, but it seems pretty sustainable based off all his underlying metrics, but it's going to be interesting to watch, you know, if, if they're going to turn him into a high leverage guy or, or if they're going to keep rolling with him in this uh, 
close out the games whenever we get a, a save every once in a while. But yeah, I, I don't have too much confidence that he's going to be like the next guy jumping into the top 15. No, I wouldn't think so. I'm very curious where we're going to, you know, when we get to the Cubs in just a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, predicting the rest of the season sort of thing. If we're still going to go with Lider, who we're going to pick for that pen? Because as we talk about throughout the season, there are so many names in that Cubs bullpen. It's just a, a very, very messy situation. So the final guy who is just worth mentioning in terms of a quote-unquote follower in Rick's rankings, and it's David Bednar. He has not had a save in almost a month now. It's been since April 29th. He's only allowed two runs, turn-run runs in uh, this month, which has been good. He's been pitching well, but the Pirates just haven't been providing these save opportunities we've want. They've sort of come back to earth after their uh, really good starts to the season. They're starting to just, you know, still playing some solid baseball, but nothing, you know, they're starting to remind us that, okay, it's still the Pirates. It's a good story in April, but let's remember where his team's actually expected to be. So it's just a reminder to be patient. Bednar's fine. He's still the guy. It's just the ebbs and flows of the closer season and playing for a team like Pittsburgh. I think he's still... He's still a top 10 closer for Rick, so there's no concerns there. I would just give the reminder that I gave for Alexis Diaz. He plays for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Just you know, remember that he may not be a Pirate in a few months. And he, with that, there may be some uh, save opportunities he's getting that he might not get in just a little bit. So it's not actionable yet, but just a little reminder. And just a reminder to not be too panicky about Bednar. He's not getting the saves, but he's still pitching well. And the saves will come. He'll get a, He has eight save stretch in the three weeks so he'll be he could get that easily in another week or two and be just back to back to normal yeah it's crazy how few saves he's gotten this month zero but he's just had no opportunities which is weird because it's not like the pirates have been awful obviously compared to the opening month they've really taken a massive step back but i don't think anybody expected bednar to have such a long save drought and it's been pretty unfortunate for teams that were just like oh man uh if whoever you took alongside bednar as your closers in your leagues you were probably like dang i really got lucky here with with Mm -hmm. bednar and (laughs) the pendulum has sort of swung the entire opposite way and that's sort of what you'll get with a team like the pirates that's not going to be super consistent but like you said bednar's the clear-cut guy there and i think we have a lot of confidence in his skills and stuff and at this point the way the pirates are playing i mean bednar's sort of been one of those guys that was a clear uh trade candidate and i don't think that's the case anymore i, I think they're going to be pretty uh conservative with trading him because they're sort of looking like they're on the verge of being competitive whether that whether they make the playoffs this year is is still to be seen but i think the next few years is going to be the opening of their window and you know you really want to have a, a lockdown closer when you are trying to win games yes we completely agree with that just um well, said Monitor, I'm very interested to see where he ends up. Or if, like you said, they do want to keep him around to be that guy when their window starts open back up. That's going to be something you're going to monitor very, very closely. But we'll take a break. When we get back, we'll start our rest of season prediction. Like I said, we're about a third of the way into the season. We want to talk about where where we are at this point, who's going to lead their teams in saves, and you know, just a reminder of guys who you should be monitoring uh, going forward at this point. So we'll take a break. All that and more on In the Pen. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. 
Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, let's start the division by division breakdown. We're going to go team by team. It doesn't have to be too in-depth like we have at the beginning of the season, but kind of just a recap of you know who's leading at this point. If we think there's someone to to monitor, next man up sort of thing. Just guys we're, uh, we're monitoring going forward. So we'll go division by division. We'll start in the American League East and kind of just go through by the standings just so we can cover our bases. So we'll start with Tampa Bay, and it kind of gives us a chance to talk about our boy first off. So for the Tampa Bay Rays, we know about the... Closer next. We've mentioned this guy's name about a hundred times since the season started, and that's Pete Fairbanks. As of right now, there's that mix with him and Jason Adams. So, rest of the season, what's your view on them? Is there a guy you'd rather roster between him and Adam? Yep. You got the hard one out of the way early. Yeah. Are you joking? Come on. It's my guy, Pete Fairbanks. Yeah, no, he, he's going to get the most saves. I mean, right now, Jason Adam has more one more than him. But since Fairbanks has come back, he's gotten, I think, two or three saves to Adam's one. So I think it's pretty clear that they favor Fairbanks in the closer role, which is awesome. I'm loving that. Uh, would love to see him start striking some guys out. Right now he's sub 20%, which is not what we uh, hyped him up to be. But yeah, I have I have a lot of confidence that they want to use Fairbanks in the ninth inning and that he's going to stay there. And as long as he stays healthy, then yeah, that's that's my guy. I would agree. He, he's, he's off three of our guys. I'm sure Rick would have the same opinion. Uh, it will be the reminder, too, of Jason Adam is, you know, rosterable in your standard, 12 team league or so he's still very good i think he's ratio wise even if it's not just getting saves he's very good at a lot of things you're striking guys out he's looking dominant while fairbanks is getting the saves i think adam is still someone you want to roster even if it's not four saves he's been that dominant so it's those two i think fairbanks will still lead the team in saves but you know don't let's not forget about adam he's not all of a sudden droppable even if fairbanks is the guy we still want to roster because he's our boy We'll go to the second place team with the Baltimore Orioles. This is one we talked about at the beginning, so it shouldn't be too much of a change at this point. But Felix Bautista is still the man. He's been a top five closer in baseball. He's been that good and likely will be for the rest of the season. And we talked a lot about Yanir Cano and how dominant he's been. I got to watch it firsthand as he faced my Yankees uh, early this week. And he's he's what he's had to be. He's been very, very good. Anything else in this Baltimore bullpen you want to add or it's still a... Uh, you know, very straightforward. Firsthand, did you go see a game? No, I didn't. Just watching TV, I consider firsthand for some reason. Okay, sure. So then, what what <laughs> what hand is uh, seeing it in person? You know, it's more of a it's another firsthand experience. You can have there's two there's multiple firsthands in my mind right now. So there's a couple reason. levels of firsthand. Exactly. There's the, there's with, yeah, there's with my directly with my eyes in person, and there's firsthand watching okay. it. So I don't know. okay, in person it's first eye, and then in, in on TV it's it's firsthand. Yeah, and then if you go somewhere else, we'll do we can do first foot too. Why not? <laughs> okay. 
All right. Well, yeah, I mean, if Yenny Cano had not allowed a run, I, I don't know how I would not say him, but he allowed his first run of the year. You know, he's washed now. We we were all wrong. He sort of sucks now. 0.35 mm-hmm. ERA, honestly, not really that great. I'm pretty sure that's bad. But all jokes aside, Felix Bautista has been incredible this year. He was the closer of the future last year. He took over, was incredible. He's done so this year. Rick talked a little bit about him in closing time where he just discussed his walks. But outside of the walks, Bautista's strikeout rate and ability to induce weak contact is almost unmatched. He's uh, got the same ability to strike guys out as Alexis Diaz and just his his massive opposing and intimidating frame on the mound is difficult to to face up against. I would not want to get in a box against yeah. that guy. But yeah, he's uh, he seems like he's going to be the guy getting the majority of the saves throughout the year. Yeah, and as we're recording this, he just came in to get the save against New York Yankees. They lead 3-0 in V9 for having to go up against Judge, Rizzo, and Bader. So we'll, I'm sure he'll lock it down and be just fine for Cano. But uh, you know, it's cool. Nice to see. It's a really, really cool story considering where he was two or three years ago. On TV, as aforementioned, New York Yankees. This one is our first you know, real confusing one because Clay Holmes is supposed to be the lockdown closer. It hasn't exactly been the case, and now it's a, a committee. What's your read with the Yankees right now? Is Clay Holmes still the one you'd most want to roster? Is it Michael King? Is there somebody else? You know, it's been a very confusing pen use over the past couple weeks in New York. Yeah, you've probably got a better hold on it. You seem to be watching yeah. every single one of the Yankees games, but I don't know. It's really hard to tell. And you, the question you just posed was, who would I rather roster? And right now it's Michael King. He's been really incredible. I love that he goes multiple innings. Basically, every time he goes out there, he'll nab a couple saves. He'll vulture some wins, strike out a lot of guys, and keep his ERA low. But the question we're attempting to answer is, who's going to have the most saves for the rest of the year? And that's a difficult question. Yeah. I, I think I got to go with Clay Holmes just because he's more of a one inning guy. I think King has that flexibility to be used at any point in the game. And so does Holmes, right? He can be the high leverage guy to come in and get a ground ball, get you out of, get you out of a jam. But Michael King seems to be the guy that, you know, bring him in the sixth, let him pitch the seventh as well, or have this seventh and eighth, or maybe sometimes pitch the final two innings of the game or three innings or one inning, whatever. I don't know. He's got a lot of flexibility in his role. That's the point. But I think Holmes is going to be that guy. Ultimately, he was the closer basically for the last year and a half before this year and I don't even really think he struggled that much to begin the year I think they just wanted to use him in different roles and mm-hmm. I feel like there's gonna be a few weeks or, or a few games of struggles where you know Wandy Peralta doesn't come through and Michael King sort of is needed somewhere else and they're just like oh shoot you know what you know who fits perfectly into the closer role the guy that we were gonna do at the beginning of the season yeah, so I feel like Clay Holmes is going to be that guy. I'm actually going to go off Michael King. The Yankees have been using Holmes. He said it's been the one inning, but they've been using him a lot when it's situation calls for him. It's been a lot of the fireman role of, you know, go get these guys in the order. Blue Jays, they're using the face to Bichette, Guerrero, that part of the lineup. Baltimore, he comes in in a big, you know, corners on a corner situation. And that's leading save opportunities for guys like King and Peralta. And I don't think it's fully changing with how they're using Clay Holmes. A lot of it could go into the ninth, but they are—they haven't been able to fully use King in back-to-back days, but I know they're working towards it, and I expect that will change as we get closer in the season. And they do have Tommy Canely coming back, and we'll get to that a little bit into the mailbag as to how he fits into this mix. But I'm going to go with Michael King, like lead team state. I just think that Holmes has been so inconsistent where he'll get his 
mix, but he'll lose it for a little bit too. So I think that King ultimately will be the guy to, that'll lead the team in saves, but it's going to be close. If anything, it's going to be a one or two difference, but uh, mm-hmm. I think they're, they're both in terms of rosterable. You want both of them at this point, but I think King ultimately will take the, uh, the Yankees share of the saves. On the division rivals in Boston, we don't have our resident Red Sox fan, but at least it's a very simple pen. Kenley Jansen's going to stick it around as a closer. I don't think there's too much more of a debate there. Do you see that any sort of differently for some reason? No, not really. And there's, It would help if there was anybody else in that bullpen that was sort of pushing him. And also, if Kenley wasn't a future Hall of Famer, uh, well, it's a little controversial. I, In my yeah. opinion, he is. Nonetheless, that's uh, that's a whole nother podcast. But uh, yeah, there's uh, not too many guys here, like I said. And Kenley's one of the premier closers of his generation. And it's going to be difficult for him to lose that role, especially after they spent some money to bring him in. So yeah, that's, uh, that's probably one of the easiest calls we'll have uh, on this podcast. Yep, I won't add too much more. And another pretty easy call to wrap up the American League East in Toronto. Jordan Romano has been a little up and down this season, but I think he's got a pretty secure hold on this job in Toronto. Do you see that any sort of a, any differently at this point? I don't think so. That was the guy that I had as like the dark horse, like uh, solid closer right now that could lose his job by August or whatever. But that doesn't mean I actually think it's going to happen. Romano has been the closer for a couple of years now. And while he hasn't been at the same elite level, he's been at the last couple of years, he's still been pretty great. And I, I don't think Eric Swanson or Nate Pearson are, is actually going to take over anytime soon. No, I, I would agree. Romano has been that good. I could see, we talked about as like the, you know, sleeper team loses job. Maybe they make that big splash at the deadline and try and bring someone in to compete mm-hmm. with uh, Romano. But at this point, I'm not, doing anything actionable to expect that it's just something to mm-hmm. maybe think about but at this point it's there's no competition for romano in terms of saves there's some good guys in the pen but nothing to uh move out of closer head over to the american league central and we have you know right off the bat the minnesota twins in first place we have you know that question mark there's always there's a committee beginning of the season with uh jorge lopez and john duran in the back end we think we have a guy who's kind of taken away from that, but do you see that becoming a committee again, or you think uh, one of them has uh, taken that job for for good at this point? I think Duran's got it. Uh, he's just probably got the nastiest stuff in all of baseball. Did you see the other day when he was like pumping one hundred and four and like snapping off dirty curveballs? I did, and I kind of miss yeah. seeing it. I feel like he's he's been good. There's no like a uh, you know he hasn't been, but we haven't seen yeah. like. I feel like I haven't seen as many pitching ninja gifts of him this season or anything like that, where it's like, or all the talk about how great he's been. He's, he's been still good. It's just like, I feel like I've missed the, uh, the one Oh four and just nasty, nasty pitches that yeah. we saw and, the other day. And we, yeah, we did. We got that back. I think we've, be, we've become a little bit accustomed to guys pumping over a hundred miles per hour, but I mean, that hundred mile per hour splinker is, is really something else, but yeah, probably the, uh, nastiest pitcher in baseball, in my opinion. And, while he hasn't had too many saves this year, he does lead the team by a solid margin, and I, I think that's going to continue throughout the year. Whether that means he's going to lead his division in base in uh, saves, probably not. He's not had too many opportunities this year, but I, I think he's the clear-cut best guy in this bullpen, and they've got a pretty deep bullpen that they can handle having their best guy not in a high-leverage role. So I think that'll that'll save him for uh, yeah. allow him to be the the guy that gets the saves. Yep, I agree. Next team up in second place is actually the Detroit Tigers. 
We talked about it through the three up. Alex Lang's been great. The only concern we maybe have for him is that it's the Tigers and they're not a good team. So maybe, maybe they trade him, but I wouldn't expect it. So Lang seems to have this job pretty, pretty secured. And uh, you know, I've got no concerns about him losing that. No, me neither. And I waxed poetic about him earlier. So we can uh, just say, yeah, Alex Lang and uh, hit the next team. Yep, let's and then we'll do that with the Cleveland Guardians, and it'll be probably the same answer of hit this person, move on. Manual class say still really good. He hasn't been fully, you know, as it's the number he's not the number one closer in baseball like we maybe thought, but he's still very, very good. So no concerns about manual class say. We'll move on to the no next concerns. team. What are you not concerned about? He's a sub sixteen percent strikeout rate. No concerns in terms of him losing the job, I should say. I don't let's know. See, it's like I think just the, the fact that he hasn't been as dominant, right? I mean yeah, of course, like Class A has been one of the most consistent closers over the past couple of years. And, you know, it's not like he's been absolutely awful, but the way that he's been pitching, there's an there's a shot that he loses. Like, obviously, he's leading baseball in saves right now, but he's not striking mm-hmm. out anybody. He's not looking like a, the normal Emmanuel Class A. I don't know if something's wrong or if it's just been a little bit of bad luck, but I mean, this is weird. It's definitely concerning. I wouldn't say no concerns here. Okay. And the Guardians are pretty good at pumping out great relievers. Karen Chak's not been that guy this year, but Trevor Steffen's pretty solid. I I wouldn't lean. I feel like it's closer to 50-50 of him losing his job than than we'd like to believe. I, I will still say Class A gets the most saves the rest of the year, but it's it's getting dangerously close to that point where it's like, hmm, I wonder if the Guardians are actually like considering giving him a break from being the closer for a few weeks. Yeah, I, I could I could see that. I, I still Maybe no concern was a bit of an exaggeration. It's more of a, you know, we know how the Guardians like to use their pen. We know Terry Francona is going to stick with his one guy. There are concerns in some of the metrics you said. So maybe no concern was a thing. I'll put it at probably, you know, 20 to 25% or something. He loses that job. Maybe even closer to 20 to 15. I'm not, you know, the strikeouts haven't been there, but he's still leading the league in saves and still. You know, he's finding a way to get through. It's not the same shutdown in a class A, but I think it's going to take a lot, a lot more for him to fully lose that job. Although they are seven games under 500 as we record this. So maybe they do want to make some sort of jolt to get back into the race, but I'm not fully expecting it. The White Sox, that is interesting because as we're recording this, Liam Hendricks has still not returned from the injured list, um, but he's, you know, he's still going to be very, very close to that happening. Do we expect him to jump right in and lead the team at this point? Do they, you know, keep Kendall Graveman, kind of who's taking over as a job and kind of mix that? What's your read on the White Sox, especially with uh, Hendricks coming back? Yeah, I think they'll probably ease Hendricks into the role and Kendall Graveman had sort of taken over that role uh, after there was a lot of uncertainty for the first month and a half. But if Hendricks can come back and look like his normal self and get comfortable quickly, I think he'll be the closer for the final three months let's say and i think that'll be enough time for him to you know have the have the role for the majority of the rest of the season i would agree i i like what i've seen enough from graveman i think it's just as a good reminder of when Hendricks does get activated maybe you don't immediately drop uh, graveman from your roster instantly it won't be long before you are but like you said maybe they ease Hendricks into some six seventh inning outings at first outing or two just to get back onto a mound and get used to things before they turn it back to him and let him just be the bulldog. We all know he can be. Mm-hmm. 
And finally, wrapping up the AL Central, we have the Kansas City Royals. This one's been the back and forth of Scott Barlow, Barlow and Rawls Chapman. There's also the possibility of a, a bunch of trades you know, coming from at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. So what's the read for the Royals? Do you have a favorite out there at this point in the season? Um, where do you lean there? Yeah, the, the trades make it difficult to assess because, honestly, I'd like to make the hot take that Araldis Chapman ends up closing out more games than Barlow the rest of the year. But Chapman's going to be a free agent. Barlow's got one more year before free agency. So obviously either of them can be traded. I'll I'll say we won't go with the wild card of the trade. And I'll just say it's going to be Chapman the rest of the year. He's just been a lot better than Barlow. I know he strikes out a lot of guys, but Barlow has not looked like himself. And Chapman is looking like old Chapman. And it's, uh, I was going to say fun to watch. Mm. I did not root for that guy one bit. So it's, uh, yeah, well, I'll leave it there. But I'll, I'll say Chapman as long as uh, no trades are, are going to come through and drastically change the, the makeup of this bullpen. Yeah, I think I'm still going to go Barlow. It's going to be close. I think it's another one that's like one or two. I still I, I don't want to fully buy into the overall Chapman. And I'm sort of counting, counting trade into my prediction for it. I think both end up traded. But if you told me you had to pick one to be traded because... Chapman only has the one year left on his contract. It's easier for them to trade him then. And they are 20 games under 500. So we know they will be trading guys at the deadline. So if I'm taking that into consideration, I'll lean Barlow. But if you're asking me to pick, they both won't be Royals by the end of the season. It's going to be, I don't even know who would be the next guy up there in Kansas City. But if I'm picking between the two, I think Barlow just has a slight advantage at this point. But that could change at the, uh, the drop of a hat. Texas Rangers has been our next team up. They've been a very interesting team this year. Still playing really good baseball. Their pitching has been really good. And their closer job has kind of been back and forth between Jose LeClerc and Will Smith. Will Smith has kind of taken the job at this point. But it's Will Smith. Do we really buy that he's going to take his job the rest of the way? We'll see. But what's your read for Texas? Do you think Will Smith's got the stuff to hold on to his job? Do you think LeClerc worked his way back in? I don't know. He's actually been sneakily very solid this year, and there there doesn't seem to be too much competition there. I don't know if LeClerc can sneak his way back in there. I think he's been sort of working his way back to uh, – I can't think of the word that I wanted. Oh, well. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) anyway, this seems like one of the teams where they're sort of ideal trade partner, right? Because – yeah, they are having a lot of success this year. They've got a rotation that's pretty deep. They could get Degrom back at some point. Their their lineup is is pretty strong as well. And I would say that their bullpen is very clearly the worst part of their team, or at least the weakest link. And if you could just bring in a guy to be the closer there, that would sort of solidify that entire team. And their farm system is actually pretty stacked. So I, I think this is a team that's sort of an ideal spot for a closer. To, to get traded to and if not then I, I don't know I, I feel like it's going to be Will Smith uh, to be completely honest he's been trusted throughout the year and has not been bad and you know I think it's just age and, and sort of that left-handed bias that that keeps us from being like super confident that he's going to be the closer throughout the year yeah I'll, I'll lean that same way he's been he's been good and we know Bruce Bochy trusts him LeClerc's just kind of you know fallen at this point I think he Works his way back up to be someone you rely on for holds. He probably doesn't ultimately take it. But I think in the end, I would agree that this is a team who gets a closer at the trade deadline, whether it is uh, the aforementioned David Bednar, one of the Kansas City guys. Um, someone's going to come into Texas and ultimately be the closer down the stretch. But at this point, 
capitalize on if he picked up Will Smith off uh, waivers or free agency. And just enjoy that. He's been good. He's been he's pretty close to Rick's top 15 at this point in terms of uh, closer ranks. And get a closer first place team. You enjoy that. So moving over to Houston. This one's been another one we talk about a lot through the year, but I think it's still Ryan Presley. We know that a bunch of guys mix in. Do you agree? Do you agree with me? Do you think uh, you know, accounting for an injury, do you see something like that uh, changing? As much as I want Brian Abreu to be the closer here, I think Dusty's just one of those guys that trusts the uh, veteran too much to have Brian Presley lose that role. And it's sort of in in sort of a, a weird way, it allows Abreu to be the high leverage guy, whether that's sort of intended to have the best guy be the high leverage guy. I, I think uh, it's just Dusty just trusting the veteran guy there. So I, I, I have a lot, a pretty solid amount of faith that it's going to be Presley throughout the year. Yes, I'll agree. But I hope Brian Bray. He's just been his stuff's been extremely nasty. We've mentioned it a few times. He's been a lot of fun to watch yeah, this year. I agree. We we talk about the Angels and their back end with Matt Moore and Carlos Estevez. Estevez is kind of taking that job and worked with it. Do we see a change in the Angels for the Angels rest of the season, or do we think uh, you know Estevez kind of has this on a unlock? No, I, I think Estevez has got this here, and he's looked great since coming over from Colorado. And clearly, the Angels trust him a lot. He's been getting the majority of the saves, especially with Jose Cajada out. I, I clearly Matt Moore is the only other uh, guy there that's going to push him, and he's been great as a setup guy. Has zero save. So right now, I think Estevez is probably one of the safest options here, despite not being like the most well known option. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. It's he. It's nice to see one of the guys who was touted throughout the fantasy industry as a sleeper for saves kind of coming through. Early in the season, we had his concerns, but he's been a uh, been that good. So it's uh, it's fun to see, and I think he's uh, earned his job. And the Angels are hanging around, so there should be plenty of saves to go around for for Anaheim. Seattle's one that's been uh, another question mark. We talk about how we move from Tampa Bay with Paul Seawald versus Andres Munoz. Seawald's taking it. Munoz could be coming back. Do we see a? a split again when Munoz comes back or do you think Seawald's still the guy we want? Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when Munoz gets back. I, I think it's sort of, I don't know. It's like what, what's going to happen. Are they going to take it easy on him when he gets back? You know, there's definitely a possibility he is the closer. I think he's got better stuff than Seawald. I, I don't know if you can say he's a better pitcher in general, but the way that Seawald was used last year, he had more saves than Munoz, despite Munoz being available the whole year. I think you got to go with Seawald here. I'll agree. I like what Seawald's done. And I, while well, I think Munoz will probably mix in a bit, Seawald ultimately has, he's done nothing to lose the job at this point. And I don't see a lot changing as we get further and further into the season. And to wrap up the American League, we'll talk about the Oakland Athletics. And that's it. Um, I we I don't know. Jake, you got to read for, for these A's, or do you just want to say no and move on to the National League? Shintaro Fujinami. Sure, we'll go with that. If like we said, if you're relying on an Oakland Athletic at this point in the season, reevaluate your choice for saves and holds. There, there's going to be a lot. We'll say Trevor May for right now, and accept that he's probably going to be traded by the deadline or lose the job because that's what Oakland has been doing all season. We'll take one final break before we move over to the National League. Do the same thing. A lot of uh, interesting situations in the National League. So all that and more on In the Pen. 
All right, we'll move over to the National League. We'll start off with the Atlanta Braves. This one, first, at least we start off on an easy one. Rise of Iglesias has come in. He's rising, looking like his normal self. He should keep this job uh, going forward and be the dominant closer. Any concern for anything differently? No, I don't think so. I, I think he's uh, he's got it pretty solid. I, I think if Minter was sort of at the level that he was last year um, and had looked really good earlier in the year with uh, that closer role, then there might be more of a there, there there might be less certainty here. But the way that Minter pitched and uh, Rysel Iglesias, like I said earlier, being one of the safest closers in baseball, basically, I, I think they're going to trust him. They traded for him for a reason. Exactly. Maybe they add another name into the mix, but he shouldn't be uh, affecting Iglesias too much. New York Mets have battled their way back to 500 and are starting to play like the Mets we kind of thought they would be at the beginning of the season. David Robertson's been at spearhead at the back end of the pen, but they've been a team we've talked about a lot for trades. So do we accept? Do we ex- expect Robertson to keep it? Do we think this could be a trades piece? What's your read for the Mets moving forward? Yeah, I Trade is, is definitely up there, but honestly, Robertson's been more than serviceable. He's been pretty great this year. I, I don't think they have any reason not to trust him. And Adam Adovino has fallen back a little, ERA over 4.8, and Robertson's under 1.3. So I, I think that's a, a pretty solid uh, testament to how great he's been this year. And I mean, as long as Edwin Diaz doesn't make like a, a crazy, remarkable recovery in August or something and then just goes off, then I, I think Robertson's probably pretty safe for the lead and saves throughout the year. Yeah, I'll agree. And he's been a lot better than I probably had given him credit for at the beginning of the year. And he's honestly could possibly be an all-star, which I know we'd mentioned Joe Mantiply and Tongue is an all-star, but it's still something you consider. So something I'd, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing. Miami Marlins have been extremely dominant in one-run games, but so that has been plenty for save opportunities. AJ Puck's currently on the IL, which has led Dylan Floro to kind of take the job while he while Puck's out. Do we think if Puck does return that he takes the job? What's the read for the the Marlins right now? I think so. I, Floro's sort of a, a boring reliever. Uh, Rick referred to him as like the the Toby of relievers, where he's just not going to strike out a lot of guys, but is still going to be pretty serviceable, like relying a lot on command and, and weak contact and stuff. And I don't trust anybody else in that bullpen, like uh, Brazaban or Scott, to be the closer there. So I think as, if Puck is able to come back strong, like this, this injury doesn't end up being something a lot worse than we previously expected. Then yeah, he should be pretty good to be the closer throughout the year. But yeah, there is that concern where it's like Floro is very solid and, and Puck has this injury history. So you, you never know, but I, I, they clearly trusted Puck before and I have no reason to think otherwise when he comes back. I would agree with you there. Philadelphia Phillies were one that we had a lot of debate at the beginning of the season. I think we all picked a different reliever to lead the team in saves. We did this before opening day. Now, as we sit here on May 25th, where are you going with the Phillies? I know Alvarado's hurt, but he probably can make his way back soon. What's your read for this pen going forward? I feel like this is literally the same exact vibe as the Marlins pen where it's like, yeah, they've got other options. Kimbrel's there. He's not been great this year. He's got a six ERA, but he's striking out 40% of batters. So he's, there are hints of, of old Kimbrel there, but as long as Alvarado makes it back, I don't see why he wouldn't be the closer. It looks like he threw a bullpen session, uh, a second bullpen session uh, today. So it looks like he's working his way back. He's probably still a couple of weeks away. And he was just so incredible before he went out uh, on the injured list that 
I, I think they would be sort of foolish not to use him as the closer. And it's not like anybody else there, Dominguez or, or Soto, have been super dominant that they're going to steal it from Kimbrel. So as long as Alvarado, Alvarado can make it back healthy and stay healthy, I, I think he's going to be the guy. But, you know, with the way that Kimbrel's been striking guys out and if he can keep that ERA down, there is that slight possibility that they're just like, hey, this gives us the opportunity to use Alvarado elsewhere. And everybody knows Kimbrel does better in a closer role. Yeah, it's true. So it's making me lean Kimbrel. I'm still, I'll, I'll agree with you at this point that Alvarado takes it when he gets back, but it's the same thing we said with some other teams. When Alvarado's return, don't immediately drop Craig Kimbrel. I think this could get back to like a 50 50 split, kind of depending on who's coming up in the lineup for mm-hmm. uh, the op- opposition and how they use those two relievers. So. Uh, it'll be something to monitor very, very closely. To wrap up the NL East, we'll talk about the Washington Nationals and try and hype up our boy Hunter Harvey again. Let's go. Do we do we expect that yes. to continue? Okay, cool. No, do we expect what to continue? Just him being, do we expect uh, Finnegan to continue? Do we expect Harvey to oh. work his way in the mix? I guess, uh, okay. you know, what's your no there? No continuing. No, no continuing. For- it's going to be Hunter Harvey. I, I think Kyle Finnegan still keeps getting the saves, but there's going to be a point where they're just like, all right, well, at this point, we've done enough to try to hype up Finnegan as a trade candidate. He's got two more years of control, so there's a bit of uh, trade viability there. But he is such a boring reliever. His, he's, I don't know, he's nothing special. And uh, we all love Hunter Harvey, big strikeout guy, big fastball. And he's been great this year, and I, I think he deserves that opportunity to close out games there. I think he's the closer of the future. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I Let's get our boy some save opportunities. So maybe it's now's the time you start putting him on your watch list and maybe you can afford it. Maybe you do start stashing to Hunter Harvey. I think that change should be coming sooner rather than later. Go to the NL Central, the Milwaukee Brewers. We can. That's a complete one more answer. Devin Williams is really, really good, and I don't expect that mm-hmm. changing. Correct. Pittsburgh Pirates, David Bednar is really, really good, and that shouldn't change barring a, a trade at the trade deadline. Yes, sir. Chicago Cubs. Um, exact Mark opposite. Leiter, Michael Fulmer, Brad Boxberger, uh, Hughes. Yeah. Who who the heck is taking this Cubs job? <laughs> I don't know. It's like nobody has even more than two saves in this bullpen. Leiter just got the most recent one to get his second. And while he's been really great, and he's sort of the guy that's been slotted into uh, closer depth charts as the closer in Chicago. I don't know if I trust that. Like I want Alzale to be the guy, but there's just like that part of me where it's like the Cubs are starting to make those moves where they DFA and release Eric Cosmer and they option uh, Nick Madrigal and they call it Matt Mervis and Christopher Morell. It's like, all right, they're, they're making some moves where it's like, this is not only what the fans want, but this is what you do when you're like, okay, we, we, we let these guys do their thing, but like we, we actually want to win some games this year. So we're going to try to put our best team on the field and not only does that mean the guys that you put on your roster, but it's also how you use your roster. And while Mark Ladder Jr. has been great this year, does that mean he's better in a high leverage role? Will he still be great the whole year? It's not like he's known for being one of the best relievers in baseball. I love what Alzale does, but there's a part of me that says Jeremiah Estrada, one of the best relievers in the minor leagues over the past couple of years, has yet to allow a run. Like I said, striking out over 37% of batters across his first eight innings. I don't know. I, I I'm just gonna say Jeremiah Estrada. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go uh, a bold prediction here. I'm gonna say Estrada ends up being the closer there because they're just gonna try to put the best guy in the in the most important role. I'd love to see that. I'm rooting for that to happen. Mm-hmm. If you're asking me today, what I think is gonna happen, I'll I'll say I'll say Alzali. I think they would likely go someone who's been 
up a little bit before we go to Estrada. I think Estrada has the best stuff, and if he can take this job, he has potential to take it and just run with it and not really give it up. But I think it might take a little bit longer before they go to that, and we're correcting most saves the rest of the way. I think it'll probably be a little too late for him to take that, but I'm, I'm rooting for it. I'm going to root for it. The Cardinals we talked about a little bit earlier in the show with the mix that's been going on with uh, Helsley and Giovanni Gallegos. Has it changed enough to where you're pivoting away from Helsley to be the uh, Cardinals uh, leader by the end of the season? I don't think so. I think it's going to be really close, though. I I think they're going to be like single digits off from each other uh, for the rest of the season. And uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty disappointing for managers that don't roster both of them. But I think Helsley's still going to be the, the top dog there. I would agree with you there. And to wrap it up with the Cincinnati Reds, Alexis Diaz, like we did with the other two teams in this division, Alexis Diaz, very good. Should lead the team yep. in saves. Anything different? Nope. We'll head out west to wrap this up and start with the first place, Los Angeles Dodgers, where there is always the question mark. Evan Phillips is currently near the top in the MLB in terms of saves. He's taken this job and pitched really well. But there's always the Bruzar Gratterall effect. There's always Daniel Hudson coming back. And there's also the fact that it's the Los Angeles Dodgers and they can make a trade at any day and add someone to this pen. So does Phillips keep his job? Or you have any concern of anyone coming in to take that? Or what's your read for Dodgers moving forward? Yeah, I don't know. This might be even tougher to tell than the Cubs bullpen where it's like, yeah, Evan Phillips is really good. He's he's leading the team in saves right now, but... I don't know what, what they're going to do. Uh, Blake Trinan started throwing again in uh, late March, so he could be back at, at some point soon. But I don't know. I, I think the safe call right here is Evan Phillips, but I think they, they would want Gratterall to be the closer there. He's not been striking out more guys, which we hoped he would have taken a step forward in that department. Uh, I, I'm just, <laughs> just going to go back to my uh, preseason take and say it's Gratterall. You know, we've been waiting for you to take that uh, victory lap. You've had a lot of victory laps on this show, and Gratterall has been the one <laughs> you haven't really gotten to to break out those shoes for. So I'm going to root for you to be right and get some uh, some more running in, but I'll stick with Evan Phillips. He's been that good, and I don't see that fully changed at this point. But, you know, it can, and I, I could even see Hudson being mixed whenever he is able to pitch again, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Uh, the second place team is somehow the Arizona Diamondbacks, even with their pen being as unbelievably inconsistent and confusing as ever. So same question we do with the Cubs. Who the heck leads the Diamondbacks to save the rest of the way? I don't know. It's really weird. Uh, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Joe Mantipai comes back from the IL and is the closer throughout the second half. And that that's sort of what sets him apart. But, I mean, right now, if you got to decide between Andrew Chafin and Miguel Castro, I think you got to go with the the better pitcher, and that's Chafin. He strikes out way more batters than Castro. So I would say Chafin if I have to choose guys that aren't injured. But there's there's a part of me that feels Mantiply is going to come back. They like using Chafin in a high leverage role. Castro sort of starts to fall off as he the batted ball luck goes down. And uh, Mantiply sort of slides into that role for at least uh, like two months and you know racks up the most saves. You're not wrong there. I'm I'm gonna say it's Castro. I think Chase, it's the righty lefty mix. If it's gonna be between the two guys, most of the time I'm gonna go with the righty leading the team saves because there'll be more opportunities for them because there's that favoritism against lefties. Yes, they have Mantiply, they have Nelson, so they have other lefties to use to not use Chafe in the high leverage. But Castro's kind of started to take the the job, at least the majority of the saves out there. I, I don't know how we can get a little bit more in depth than that in a little bit. One of the mailbag questions, but. 
I don't know if he's really the lights out, like clear favor in terms of he's going to keep it the rest of the way. But if you're asking me to predict, I'll still, I'll give him a slight tick above uh, Andrew Chafin at this point. Mm-hmm. But that's another complete flip a coin. We'll see what happens. San Francisco Giants, Camilo Duvall has been really, been really solid this year. I mean, really as good as, as we expect and probably even better. So do we see any sort of change in San Francisco? No, they they really trust him now. It really seems like they, they trust him to be the closer. And and while some other guys have been filling in every once in a while to uh, give Duvall a day off or two, I I think he's the, the guy that's going to be racking up the most saves throughout the rest of the season. I will agree with you there. San Diego Padres, it's a bit simple one. It's Josh Hader. Mm-hmm. Do you see anything different? Yep. Nope. Sounds good. And the Colorado Rockies, Um, I know at the beginning of the season we said who cares, but you know, Pierce Johnson has been pretty... <laughs> He's been, he's been consistent in taking that job, but it is Pierce Johnson. He hasn't exactly had the pedigree of a you know a shutdown closer. Do you see anybody else playing into this mix, or you think it's just kind of Pierce Johnson, kind of Dylan Flores' way to a twenty-five save season? Well, if we're talking about uh, having the track record of being a shutdown closer, I don't know why you wouldn't think Daniel Bard would be the guy. Yeah, I still think he's gonna find his way to play into the mix, but. Mm-hmm. If we're predicting the rest of the way, I think he's done enough this season to put him at that disadvantage. He'll mix himself mm-hmm. in, but at this point, I'll, I'll lean Pierce Johnson. Yeah, I, I think if Bard were to take over the closer role, it would be right when his luck starts to subside. He's got a sub one ERA right now with a 17% strikeout rate, and he's just been really lucky. And I think once they start being like, okay, we're going to start trusting you in high leverage situations, then 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 he'll start to break down a little bit. And uh, that's when it'll be like, oh, okay, well, we were going to consider you to be the closer, but actually, never mind. We like what Pierce Johnson doing, even if he's not like super dominant with his almost five ERA, but they seem to like him in that role for some Rockies reason. It's the Rockies. I've learned just to not uh, not question it and just accept that they're going to do stuff that makes us all very, very confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Over to the mailbag. We have a few questions from members of our Discord. As always, if you want to participate in the mailbag, you can join our PL Plus community. Go to pitchlist.com and click the Get PL Plus. You have access to Discord. You have access to PLV, Daily Fantasy Projections, uh, all sorts of great perks. It's a great community, people. There's a lot. It really is a great tool to help you get that extra edge in your fantasy leagues. I can't recommend it highly enough. So, first question is from Diener Williams, and it goes with my New York Yankees. So, could Tommy Canely be given the closer role when he gets back from the IL? He's making his either his final or close to his final rehab appearance as we record this on Thursday. Then the Yankees will make a decision there. So, I'm expecting him to be activated probably sometime this weekend as you're listening to this, if not very early in the week next week. We talk about it being a very confusing mix. Do you think Canely can play into that save mix when he gets back, or he's more of a higher leverage sort of reliever? Yeah, I don't know. I don't never really considered uh, Canely to be a guy that was going to come back and do this. I mean, he's had stretches of like being really solid uh, back when he was in, back in like I don't know 2017. He was he was pretty good, and I think his uh, 2019 campaign was pretty solid. He he used to be a big strikeout guy, but I mean it's been a while since since guy did anything. I mean 2019 was really his last full season. Last year he tossed just 12 innings, and now he's missed a couple months with an injury to start the year there's just too much uncertainty with what he's going to look like when he comes back. Like if he's going to get injured again, if he ever was really that good. And uh, yeah, I, I don't really see that happening. I think the Yankees have enough options. I think Michael King and uh, Clay Holmes are probably better than Canely, even at Canely's peak. So I, I don't really see him being uh, the, 
the closer at any point. He's got five saves in his career. I don't think that's going to grow much, much throughout the rest of the season. I don't think so either. I think if they want to get left, he's got that change up that can kind of be like how we were talking about the Cubs with Mark Leiter. That can be a neutralizer to lefties. But the Yankees have shown if they want to face a bunch of lefties, they'll bring in Wandy Peralta. I think Kane Lee could be a name. He's a monitor if you're in a holds league. He can play in that mix and kind of be the mm-hmm. guy who helps get the ball to a King or Holmes. But in terms of saves, I think there's a couple guys that'll be ahead of him in the pecking order. And he'll have to do a lot to get into that mix. But he could play into it, but he's still got some guys he has to jump through to get ahead of it. Yeah. This next question is also from Diener Williams. It covers Seattle Manners. Is Andres Munoz worth sashing in a standard 12-team Roto League if he was dropped? I don't know. It's a tough question because, I mean, we, we sort of hit that when we talked about the Mariners bullpen, who's going to lead the the team in saves for the rest of the year. I don't think Munoz is going to factor into it as much as people think. Like, I, I think he's going to sort of fill like a like a less than Giovanni Gallegos role where it's like, he's there. He's going to be the the first guy up when a, a, a vulture closer is needed, but I don't think that's going to be too many opportunities. I don't think Seawald's going to falter. Uh, the, the Mariners are going to be good. And I don't know. It's, there's still like some concern. It's like, okay, he's coming back from injury. He's been injured a lot. I think they might take it easy on him a little bit, sort of in the same way, like Ryan Helsley is used where it's like, uh, we don't want to use him more than two days in a row. And if he does, then, you know, he's going to need a few days off, but my my home league team, it's uh, it's he's pretty valuable, but I, I'm not super confident. I think it's more of like a ceiling thing where it's like he's not going to be the clear cut closer at any point. I don't think he's going to take over this role and sort of be a guy that's going to be universally rostered. And there's still somewhat of a concern of like, yeah, he throws 100 miles per hour, but so do a lot of guys. And a lot of guys that throw 100 miles per hour actually don't have a lot of success. Velocity is not everything. So. I think there are a lot of standard 12 team leagues where he is worth stashing, especially if you have like unlimited IL spots, like why not, you know, but in, in leagues where it's like my home league, we have two IL spots. I'm sort of concerned. So I guess as soon as I add him, I'm just going to have to drop him because somebody else is going to get injured. At this point, I'm not super enamored that he's going to come back and be as dominant as he was last year and really be somebody that's worth rostering. But you know, among the, uh, injured relief pitchers out there on the wire right now. He's probably the guy that has the best stuff. So maybe if you're just considering relief pitchers that are injured right now that you want to stash Munoz is probably your guy. Yeah. If you have an IL spot in your roster, sure. Why not throw a flyer? If you have some run on your bench. Okay. I, I would agree with Seawald mixes himself in 12 team Roto. You'll probably get into those second sort of guys, you know, kind of, you know, maybe a guy goes is rostered. So, I think he's worth rostering if you have the room. I'm not going out of my way to pick him up, but if you have some space and you are willing to take a flyer on a guy, I don't see any any issues with making that move. And the final question is from Kuwell, another member of our Discord. Is Miguel Castro good enough to keep the Arizona closer job rest of season? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, to be completely honest, I know he's a righty and he's had success in terms of ERA this year, right? He's at 2.42, but the the lack of strikeouts means that he's relying a lot on balls in play. And while that can be good for guys that get a lot of ground balls and are, are sort of above average in the uh, contact suppression department, I'm not sure Castro is one of those guys. And it just seems like his, he's fallen off a little. Um, I, he's still pretty young, but I, I just, I don't have too much faith here. And, this is not just like faith in 
is he going to be the closer? I don't know if he's going to be too great the rest of the year, to be completely honest. And I, I think this is going to be, I mean, we basically answered this question already, but I think Chafin's mm-hmm. better. And I also think Mantiply is going to come back and probably be the preferred guy. You know, he doesn't have all-star in his name for nothing. Exactly. It's he's all-star Joe Mantiply. I, I pricked in the lead, the Diamondbacks and saves the rest of the way. So I do think he's good enough. In the sense of the Diamondbacks don't have that lockdown guy to take the job. So sure. he, he's good enough to compare it to the other relievers. So I, I think it's possible, but I'm not banking on it. Uh, if, if you told me to predict it, I think he will. But he could also just get traded. A, he could also get traded. But hey, Diamondbacks are in second place for now and competing for a wild card yeah. spot. So maybe they add instead of subtract. But sure. you never know with this team. But yeah, there's a lot of possibilities. If you ask me to predict, I think he will be the guy, but I'm not putting all my eggs in the Miguel Castro leading the rest of the way. I'm finding other options, but at this point, I think he's the guy you want in that bullpen until next week when things probably likely change. Mm-hmm. And we'll wrap this show up as we always do for another ep- edition of Who's That Closer. We have a good uh, old throwback one, so we'll see if I can um, get that considering it was uh, prior to... He played prior to me being born. So let's see yes, if I can, how good my too. baseball history is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this one's a pretty easy one. It's uh, This guy was really freaking good. He played from 1976 to 1988. He was drafted by the Washington Senators in the 21st round of the 1970 draft out of a high school in Pennsylvania. He debuted in, uh, of course, 1976 with the Chicago Cubs. He was immediately the best closer in baseball, which is crazy. But, uh, yeah, it's it's that's not even an overstatement from 1977 to 1984. So from his second year through, I mean, that's like an eight year span right there. His average line during that time was 101 innings pitched with 85 strikeouts, which is just good for for that era. A 2.52 ERA, a 1.11 WHIP, and 31 saves. That's his average across eight seasons, which is incredible. His best season was probably his second season, 1977. He tossed 107 innings with 129 strikeouts, a 1.34 ERA, a 0.86 WHIP, and 31 saves. So really early on in his career, he was great. Also. Honorable mentions to his 1984 season and also honorable mentions to his 1979 season. This guy really had a lot of great years. 1979, Mm -hmm. he won the Cy Young. So that'll uh, that'll transition us to talking about his accolades. He had six all-star appearances and five of them came in a row from 77 through 81. He had five straight all-star appearances and he also earned one in 1984. And then he also had a lot of Cy Young placings. Obviously, that first place. He won the Cy Young Award in 1979, but he also finished third in 82 and 84, fifth in 81, and sixth in 77. And he also got some MVP votes. He was fifth in 1982, sixth in 1984, seventh in 1977 and 79, and he finished eighth in 1981. He also has a little bit of black ink. Uh, A lot of it came in the saves department where he led the league in saves four years in a row. He had, uh, from 79 to 82, he was leading at, at least the, the National League in saves. And then he also led the league in saves in 1984. He also led the league in games finished that year as well. The three teams that he pitched for, 
Cubs were the first team. The Cardinals were the second team that might give it away for a lot of people. And then he also pitched for the Braves. And for his career, he had 24.1 baseball reference war, a 2.83 ERA, and 300 saves. I think this guy could have had a really great career if he pitched further into his 30s. But I think after his age 33 season, he got injured. I don't know what it was, but he missed the entire his entire age 34 campaign, came back for his age 35 season, and then called it a career there. So incredible career from this guy. Who is it, Callan? Immediately, when you talk about the teams he played for, with the Cardinals and the Cubs, my first thought was Lee Smith, but I don't know if he played for the Braves, so I had a little more, I had a little more thinking. But it is Bruce Sutter. Nice, Bruce Sutter. you got it. Good job. Yeah, I, it was. I was torn between those two. Once I, yeah, when I saw the first, when you said the first two teams, my immediate thought was Lee Smith, but I couldn't remember sure. if he had pitched for the for the Braves or not. I but think he pitched later I, too in, in the nineties. That's true. Yeah, his timing was. And he like, had more saves. Year, and he had more saves. So it was like timing wise, it was like this is maybe him. But once I did a little uh-huh. more thinking, I, I was able to pull it yeah. out. But I'm it's a good one. It's always fun to thank you. Thank you. It's been a little bit while since I've got it with one of the, the older fashioned ones. So nice. Nice to know I can do this without Rick. Yep. So. <laughs> All right. We'll wrap up on that high note of me getting one of these right. Jake, you have any other work you're working to looking to plug? We know the uh, the podcast work. Any good articles coming yep. out soon? Yep. Uh, no, just reliever ranks. I'm. Uh, I'll probably have another one-off article uh, to to wrap out the month, but uh, we'll see. There's only, there's only a few days left, but uh, definitely beginning of June, I, I've I've got one coming out looking at uh, risers and fallers in terms of strikeout and walk rate, uh, whether that be pitchers or hitters. I think that'll be an interesting article. I think that's uh, one of the biggest drivers of of success for for all kinds of players. I think honestly, I don't, do you have a favorite baseball stat? Man, that's a that's a good one. Uh I don't know if I really have a favorite. It really depends. Pitchers, pitcher-wise, hitting-wise. I don't know if I have one that really jumps out as the yeah the favorite. I mean, it really, yeah, it really just depends on uh, hitters or pitchers, I'd say. <laughs> it's such a nerdy thing to say. I just love strikeout and walk ratio. Yeah. It's just it's so helpful. It's so useful. It can explain so many things, and it can be mm-hmm. used for all kinds of players, whether that be relievers, hitters, pitchers, starters, you know, it's, I, there, I think they're just some great stats and they're so simple as well. They're really easy to understand. Um, yeah. So th- that'll be, that'll be an interesting article. I'm excited to see what names come from that. Yeah. That's what I never really looked into. Like just in my early fandom or just when I was just a standard baseball fan, never really took too much thought into strike out or walk right now that I'm doing this sort of a, work and related to the fantasy sphere it's one of the first things i look at when looking yeah. at a player so it's definitely mm-hmm. changed my perspective on that but yeah that should be very exciting i think there should be like we would do our stat segments here there's always that name that stands out it's like oh wait he's he's doing something like that maybe i should mm-hmm. monitor that so i'm very interested to see as that comes out who uh who are some guys we should be monitoring but you know the drill sure. for me it's just the uh just the show and you know some hanging out in the discord uh, and some live chats, possibly jumping on those. So a lot of exciting stuff. But and as always, you know where to find our work. Pitchlist.com. You have the daily reliever ranks, as we talk about in the daily, the weekly reliever ranks from Rick, the daily reliever ranks in terms of uh, usage trends and bullpen charts and all that good information you'll need to help you win your fantasy leagues. But that's going to do it for this episode of In the Pen. I am Callan, joined with Jake. Hopefully next week we'll get Rick back as we enter the month of June. But we will talk to you next week and dive further into the Vulcan's